Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. It's okay if you lose your purpose once in a while. And I think for me, when I was a kid, I only had one goal, and that was to find a cure for Down syndrome. Having an entrepreneurship mindset, gaining the entrepreneurial mindset is such a dramatic shift. And of course, there's like the different levels of the shift, but it really is a dramatic shift in life. A lot of times we're taught about what our passion is or what passion do you want to go for in life? But a lot of times we don't think that designing our life is comes before figuring out what the passion is and where do we want to go. But there's certain aspects of life that come into play when we become entrepreneurs that just completely change the way that we live. None of us are perfect in this way at all and we're all going to hit these roadblocks. But the amount of personal growth you'll get in this journey is more than anything else that I can imagine. Your mindset determines your reality. There's one quote that we always love to say, which is the greatest risk of all is taking no risks. Today's people of purpose are Quentin Ruiz and George Mason Lante. Quentin Ruiz started his first six-figure company, an on-demand food delivery startup for college students when he was 19 years old and he expanded to eight colleges in Southern California. In addition, he was the COO of Razer Foundation International, an educational nonprofit dedicated to helping parents resolve adverse childhood experiences. During his career, he has attended some of the most prestigious entrepreneurship programs around the world, which includes MIT boot camps and YC Startup School. He is currently the co-founder of Hero University, an educational startup that hosts entrepreneurship boot camps during the summer for graduating college students. George Mason Lante is the founder of Hero University, a summer program that takes students graduating college and turns them into purpose-driven entrepreneurs. After working in five psychology research labs studying optimized work culture, George spent two years traveling, learning from personal development masters around the world, and he realized that what he found was 10 times more effective than anything he has seen in psychology and organizational development work in the U.S., Upon this realization, George founded Hero University with the vision of creating a place where people could have everything they need to become purpose-driven entrepreneurs. Their collective mission is to foster a legion of conscious entrepreneurs. Hello, Quentin and George. It's wonderful to get to interview today on People of Purpose. It's such an honor to get to learn about this alternative education path that you guys have been creating. It really speaks to me as a teacher. I just finished up a master's degree program in education in San Francisco. Um, I have a podcast. I'm creating programs and around you know, alternative paths towards education. Just really excited to like blend both of our expertises and passions around this and just create an awesome interview for people that are hungry to, to find another path into you know, a more purposeful existence, to have more impact in their mission. Um, or to support you guys as young entrepreneurs. 
thank you for making the time to come into this interview and excited for us to come. Thanks so much, Tanner. It's great to, uh, great to be here. Yeah, thank you, Tanner. Looking forward to this interview. So we got introduced through my good friend, Phil Loudon, who is an entrepreneur himself in Bali. And we know each other from Chiang Mai, Thailand, where we played Frisbee together and such. Um, and I think a reason that he wanted to introduce us was because he saw that we have such overlapping interests and he, he himself is also really interested in education. And I think at a deeper level, most of us are really interested um, in how we can create better systems of education and how we can tap into you know, our innate intelligence um, in ways that feel more meaningful than just memorizing answers for tests, getting a career that pays X number of dollars and checking the boxes. So it's nice to feel aligned with you guys on that. Um, I just wanted to give you the chance at the beginning of the podcast just to share kind of what Hero University means to you and, and why it's been created. Absolutely. So just speaking from my end, honestly, even beyond the education is the community. And for me, even when I was in regular university, this was really the most important part for me. It wasn't the classes I was going to. It wasn't the professors. It was what I was getting involved in. It was the students who I was forming teams with and who I was working with in order to try to create a better campus at UNC Chapel Hill, but in this case, really a better world. And to me, education is such a powerful tool to be able to align community. It's such a better tool to be able to teach people what it is that's going to make them successful and teach a whole community what it is that can make all of them successful. So I'd say to me, really what I envision with Hero University, right, is we bring in 50 students in a summer, and they're all taking classes in personal growth and in business and in marketing towards purpose-driven creation. But then what's really interesting there is when they come together to create, and over time what's created in that culture, and the way that in, specifically in a university-type environment where they live there, where they work there, where they study there, where they eat there, right, we're creating a microcosm for what society can look like. We're creating a microcosm for what society could look like if everybody was a purpose-driven entrepreneur, if everybody was tapped into how they can create the most epic results, the most epic impact they can. And when we can become a global team like that more and more, right? Starting with these smaller groups, when we can really tap into that teamwork of, how are we upgrading each other and loving each other as much as possible so that we can create products that change the world together? To me, that's what Hero University is really about. It's about fostering that community that is able to best serve the legacy that we are all building. I love it. I love that. I love this kind of collaborative ecosystem of sorts that you know the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts type of mindset. And then using that as a model, like as a snapshot of what society could look like if we adopted more of kind of a, a startup or entrepreneurial kind of paradigm to how we go about problem solving. Really, really cool, man. I really like that. Anything you have to say, Quentin, about your kind of take or perspective on the project? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I also like to look at it from an economics point of view, too. And 
one big challenge that we have in the U.S. is that we're $1.4 trillion in debt for students who come out of university. And a lot of times, university doesn't even guarantee that they have a job or that they know what they want to do with their life or that they have certain skill sets that really prepare them to be able to live a life by design and to be able to create the impact they want to make in the world. And a lot of times I see this gap in the education system, and I've always wanted to be the complement to what currently exists. Because as Mason said, the current education system has a lot of wonderful benefits as some of the best community we've ever seen in our lives. It has some of the best co-creations that we've seen with the students who go there. But for us, the one thing that we wanted to innovate on or really be able to improve is what those skills are they actually build while they're at Hero University. So for us, some of the main things that we focus on, as Mason said already, is personal development, figuring out what you actually want to do with your life. How do you craft your story so that it's actually told in an empowering way and you can create that and make a brand into a company in whatever way that you like? That you actually learn the marketing and sales skills and communication that regardless of what field you go into afterwards, according to this one site we love called 80,000hours.org, they talk a lot about what are the next skills that are going to be the most useful in the coming centuries or even just in the coming decades, I should say. And the biggest ones are not even coding. They're not learning the data science necessarily all the times. The most of the top skills that people are going to be looking for in the next 10, 20 years are entrepreneurial skills, are communication skills, are things where you wouldn't usually think of them as the top um, uh, kind of emotional intelligence things that matter. But for us, we focus really heavily on doing that at Hero University. So for us, if our students, instead of coming out with a degree at the end of the program, they come out with rather a team that believes in them and supports them throughout their journey for the rest of their lives with a product that they could ideally make passive income off of that actually makes a difference in the world in the direction that they want to go. And they have these different personal development tools in their tool belt now to go on for the rest of their life. That's truly part of what we're trying to build and how we're trying to adapt the current education system and make something that'll add on to where it's lacking. That's genius. Yeah, I that, those gaps that you mentioned just totally resonate with me, as well as like what you have noticed that are, you know, benefits of this thriving ecosystem that kind of exists around university. Um, I wanted to kind of go a step back and, and hear from you guys about how you got into this. What what a, what about your educational path or your path through college, um, the organizations, the people you've met along the way? How did this kind of um, spur on this sort of creation of an entrepreneurial university? Yeah, absolutely. I think I can speak to it first and then um, George can definitely follow up with me. But for me, the biggest thing was when I was in college, I made my first startup. It was called Cartpool, an on-demand food delivery startup, kind of when Postmates, DoorDash, Uber Eats were just entering the market. And for me, I learned more from that experience, or if not just as much or more from that experience, as I did from going to a top 10 college or university in the U.S. And I think that a lot of those skills, regardless if people want to go into business or not at the end of the day, are really important to teach. And I think something else that kind of struck me was I had the opportunity to go to different boot camps or alternative educational systems while I was in college. So I was able to go to a 
uh, a program called iExperience in Cape Town, South Africa to learn product management um, and just learn a completely new way of learning and interacting with each other. And when Mason and I, or sorry, I should say George, when George and I met in uh, two years ago, we were at a coding boot camp in San Francisco called Horizons. And to see how fast you can learn, how fast you can collaborate with each other in things that had nothing to do with the traditional college education system, that was kind of our introduction to seeing what this kind of alternative education paths can be and how fast they can innovate when they're outside the traditional schooling system. But for Mason and me, I think our first really big jump into the space was when we said after the coding boot camp we did in San Francisco, we're burnt out. They overworked us. We worked 800 hours this summer. We're done. They, there has to be a better way of doing this, that you can still be intense with the work that you do, but still live a healthy lifestyle. And that just compels you and propels you to do better and better. So for Mason and me last year, we actually started by creating the first mindful coding bootcamp for college students. We had 20 students from different universities across the country, ranging from Pomona College, Brown University, um, uh, Loyola Marymount University, amongst other good colleges. And what we found was interesting is people said the coding education was wonderful, but the mindfulness, the meditation, the whole different side of it that teaches you a, kind of a work-life balance, more or less, those were the things that we taught best, and those were the things that mattered most to them that weren't being taught in today's school system. So Mason and I kind of realized, or say, sorry, getting used to this, George and I said originally that, man, we did something that provided value, but we weren't as attuned to coding or teaching coding for the rest of our careers, but we wanted to expand it out a little bit more. And that's why now we're focused on an entrepreneurship program for graduating college students so that they can take that next step into a completely different lifestyle. And I'm sure George has a little bit more to say on um, kind of how we got into this space. Absolutely. So one of the biggest turning points in my life was when I was, I believe, 17 and I was in a creative writing camp during the summer and they showed us a video where I believe it was by David Foster Wallace, and it was called What is Water? And in the video, it depicted life for many people after graduation. This was his commencement speech to some very prestigious university. And he depicted a life of you wake up in the morning with an alarm, you make yourself breakfast super fast, you have to sit through hours of long traffic on the way to work, you put in these long hours at a desk job. You have to go back through all of that traffic. You wind down by watching TV, and then you wake up and do it all again. And then you do the same thing the next day, but then this time you realize there's no food in the refrigerator. And so now you have to go back out through the traffic after you've already driven home, and you have to go to the grocery store. You have to go down every single aisle, and then you have to stand in line, and there's like, 50 people in line in front of you at the checkout counter. And I remember looking at all of that. And of course, his point at the end of it was something more along awareness and mindfulness and being able to understand how to work within that sort of system. However, when I saw this, the message to me was, wow, 
I'm not going to live that life. I'm going to find out how to not live that life. And so for me, college was very much about finding where is the best place that I can position myself, right? Because in high school, I really wasn't very mindful about this. And by the end of high school, I ended up in a place where I wasn't very happy. And so I decided to really make that choosing of my reality a big strength of mine. And I did a much better job of this during college. I did a really amazing job being able to find clubs such as partner dancing clubs, where it's extremely easy to meet people all the time. I was able to find the entrepreneurship club, which was just full of inspiring people. And it was really a different way to work. I was able to tap into all of these different sorts of spiritual organizations from meditation to Christian groups to yoga groups, to anything I could get my hands on. And I found that those groups were the ones where I really felt that love. I really felt that compassion and that community from people. And I actually found that there wasn't very much, although people can sort of have that connotation, there really wasn't very much at all like, oh, you have to believe this this certain way. It was just people wanting to really love each other. So anyway, I came, I came to those realizations And then after college, what I found is I read the four-hour work week when I was a junior. And that really opened up my mind because I had started to learn to code that year. And I'd already had this cognition of, oh, well, if I'm doing something on the computer, I can just travel the world while I do this job. And so that plus reading the four-hour work week, where that lifestyle of work and travel is really combined, that gave me the confidence to be able to actually take that leap after the coding boot camp that Quinn and I did together. And that leap was definitely one of the best decisions of my life because it opened up this entire world of possibility, right? It completely turns that whole idea of that what is water video that depicted that long commute and those long hours in the office. It turns that on its head. And I remember when Quinn and I got together and started working on this mindfulness coding bootcamp piece, something that we talked about from the beginning was this idea of a workplace campus. Because when I was at UNC Chapel Hill, first of all, I have to say I loved my experience there. It was absolutely amazing. And I attributed so much of it to that campus sort of environment. And so for me, being able to really create this sort of environment for people after college. And this is part of our long-term goal is being able to sort of have a campus where people can not only attend to your university, but then continue to work with each other afterwards. I would say for me, really having what is the best situation that people could possibly live in, where they feel the most happy, where they're learning the most, where they are growing the most. And to me, Having that background of being so cognizant of my environment, that I would say is one of the biggest pieces that inspired me to want to create this university environment. Because I really believe that when it comes to having the place that people actually want to live and where they will be most fulfilled, I think that sort of campus environment is it. Wow. Both of your answers are just so impressive. Like I can tell you, you're very reflective in how you've gotten to where you're at in your journey. And I'm just, no doubt that that's, that reflectivity is going to come through in your business um, as you start to iterate and expand and scale and partner with other things. Really excited for you guys' future through that skill set. 
I am personally very interested in, so I noticed you guys are both, both have kind of transformed in your sense of purpose by stepping into these alternative realities or alternative spaces and finding community around people that want something different in life. Um, and then there's a whole element of like creation going on. You guys are both learning coding. You're both wanting to like form boot camps and communities. Um, and then there's a whole aspect of like optimization and not needing to drive around and go be a crazy person. Like I too read the four hour work week and it dramatically changed the way that I saw work and lifestyle as like a way to blend the two and like bring your full self to your work. And that perpetuates a better lifestyle and not to delay your you know, truly living life, but to start living it right now and design your life around that. So I think we're on the same wavelength with that. My question for you is how, how, how would you, in a short answer, how would you say that um, you're able to find your purpose by pursuing these um, alternative spaces, alternative communities to going a non-traditional path? And I'm asking that because if one of these potential students is listening or a parent of a potential student is listening, I'm sure they have that curiosity of what if my child becomes too different? What if they fall out of what's normal? Um, So can you explain kind of how this actually, you know, allows these children to feel more purposeful by stepping into, you know, a more alternative path of education? Absolutely. I would say, first of all, it's really important to make sure we are surrounding ourselves with the type of people who we want to become, Mm. right? So the teachers who we're bringing into our program, one of them is our great friend, Gavin Dantes, super amazing person, one of the most wise people who I've ever met, scaled a business from zero to $3 million in one year without any funding. And just understands psychology in a way where we can help people become better versions of themselves to such a high degree, right? And another teacher who we're bringing in is Mike Townsend, who raised $23 million for a company that was dramatically improving home care for the elderly and is now doing amazing work using cryptocurrency to be able to help people in countries without stable currencies have more stable currencies. Right. So for me, I compare that to most university professors who are also incredible people, but who took the route of going to school and then going to a PhD program and then finding a professorship and doing research. I asked the question, just which person do you want to be? Right. And for many people, they actually want to be that amazing purpose driven entrepreneur who's doing really beautiful things. And I would mention, because we are a purpose-driven program, who is being extremely cognizant of their emotions and how loving they're being to people and how in their heart they are, right? I feel like that's a very, that's just a very clear, clear piece, right? Is being able just to see, okay, who do I want to be like and going to those places. And the beautiful thing about the program that we've put together is when I found life after college, there were sort of two sides that were calling me personally. One side was around entrepreneurship, right? And Quinn and I were in Silicon Valley right before this. 
And we were talking to all sorts of really important investors when we were in Horizons together. We were talking to all sorts of really big name founders. And it was very much that full grind mentality, right? And then when I started traveling initially, actually a lot of very famous entrepreneurs such as Steve Jobs, such as Mark Zuckerberg, a lot of people go to places like India to learn the very meditative sides of things. Right. And then they bring that back to be able to make big companies. And from there, there's a lot of innovation there, right? Especially in psychology. This is why I was so mind blown by it first, is I was such a psychology nerd in college. You wouldn't even believe it. I mean, I was like reading psychology when I was not in psychology class. I was getting involved in as many research labs as possible. I was having as many conversations about it as possible. And for me, When I found those sorts of communities that I know are the same types that Steve Jobs found, I was just absolutely mind blown. And at the same time, it's a little bit less grounded. Even though there's a lot of innovation in psychology, there isn't as much practicality for most people on the business side of things. But it's beautiful because people are so loving. It's like you find people who go to those communities feel like they find their families there, right? It's amazing how much love there is there but like i said it's not quite as grounded and so what we do with hero is we're really able to see the value of those two sides okay we have this side that is doing extremely well in business but maybe isn't doing as well with their emotions they might be even if they're looking really successful a lot of them feel really burned out they get anxiety they get depression there's a very high suicide rate sometimes and we take these people who are extremely happy are doing extremely well are just all about life living very healthy lifestyles, eating amazing food, taking care of their bodies, but are they creating things? Not all of the time. And so by bringing these worlds together, right, these worlds where people would normally be worried about being too different on one side or the other, we actually bring in people where people can say, wow, on every single angle, from your business to your emotions to everything about you, you are the type of person who I want to be like. And that is who we strive to bring into our program, is who are the role models for the legacy that we want to see in this world. And that's what we strive to foster as Hero University. Wow, I love that. I think that that's like such an obvious thing we miss out on when we're shopping for, you know, what kind of educational experience we want to have. It's it's back to that whole thing of like, we're taking the safer path or the more secure path or the only path we've kind of known before when we can actually look at things a little differently and just look simply at who's teaching me. Are they my role model? Do I want to become more like them? It's really awesome that you've gotten these people to be on board. Uh, Quentin, like what, what, what's your kind of take from a more like a economic perspective about how people find or a career perspective, let's say, how do people find more purpose choosing an alternative path like Hero University kind of beyond the program sure vision sure i can kind of talk to it from a student perspective too because when students graduate from university a lot of them they've been told what's quote-unquote a safe path in life right they can go and go to grad school as a safe path and go to a top five consulting firm as a career path and when you start to break down the individual questions within those decisions it starts to become less and less of a safer path than it truly was or the way that they thought about it initially. So as an example, when people typically go into consulting, they think they're going to go into 
gained a lot of skills, gained a broad range of different industries and different ways of looking at the world. But typically in consulting, just as an example, because that's one of the top ones that like big universities like to gear kids towards, they end up only working on four, maybe five projects over the span of two to three years. They're usually niched in really early into one field where they may not really like it very much. And when they think they're going to be getting a broad range of exposure, they're really only getting a very, very limited pool of people to show them what kind of lifestyle, what kind of work do they truly want to do. So they actually get less time to explore and to see what they truly want when they pick those certain career paths as one thing. And the second is there's this kind of myth that you go there and you learn these credible quote-unquote skills that'll help you later on in life as hard skills. And I do agree that these places give a lot of financial backing. They give you a good work ethic. And there's a lot of benefits to working at these type of companies. And they're good for certain people who want to go in that career path full on and dead set on doing that. But a lot of times I hear people coming out and they say, honestly, I didn't learn as much or at least the things I thought I'd be learning in it. And I was a little bit disappointed by my choice when I went through that. So and then at another level, when people go to grad school as a quote-unquote safe option, you see right now the rates of people going to grad school are declining very, very rapidly. This year, I think the amount of MBA programs went down 3%, and there's been tons that are going out of business because they are not able to justify the investment for what they did mm-hmm. for where they're going to be able to end up in some better quote-unquote job investment banking or wherever else they wanted to go before that. So when you think of the risk, at least in economic terms, as you said, you can spend $100,000 on grad school, or you could spend, say, $7,500 or $10,000 at a program like Hero University, really get your gearings on where do you want to go in life and see if you want to make a business right now. There's one quote that we always love to say, which is the greatest risk of all is taking no risks. And if you don't take the risks now and you do it when you're maybe 28 or 30, Yes, you might have a little bit more financial stability, but you also might have a significant other who doesn't want you to travel as much, or you might have a kid coming on board and you need to be able to take care of them, and it might be harder to move around than it used to, and you just really got to ask yourself, when's the best time to take risks, and it's better to do it, or I should say it's more feasible to do it when you're young and you can move around much more easily, and to figure out exactly what it is that you want to do at this age. And I think to end that point and to really hit it home there's this really great little comic strip by gary v and he shows two pictures like one kid going to grad school doing what his parents wanted him to do his whole life or go to law school kind of being sad about it not really knowing that that's what he wanted to do and in the next comic strip he drops out he starts his new business his new clothing line and his parents are looking really worried kind of like opening day, no one's around. The kid's really awkward looking to the side. But then their next comic strip is three years later and there's people running out the door and everyone's excited for what he's done. It's kind of like you have to have that belief in your kid. And from a parent's perspective, you have to have that belief in the kid before he ever succeeds and have faith for when he's going to succeed. Because a lot of times I think that parents expect you to fail and it's okay to fail, but they have like they, they're looking forward to your first failure so you can get up and try again, as opposed to having the faith that they're going to see you at the finish line. And I think that if we want to have more kids going towards their purpose, that one, they need to reevaluate what is truly safe when they make that investment in whatever next 
educational path they're going to go on. And two is really just reframe what does success mean to those kids in terms of fulfillment in their lives. Um, and that's just my take on what purpose is when you are coming out of college. I love and it. To expand, to expand on what Quinn said really quickly, I think it's something that a lot of people don't understand coming out of school is that people who choose to start companies maybe six or eight years later, from my experience, having been in entrepreneurial communities all over the world and met entrepreneurs at all age, there isn't very much difference between someone who's 28 or 30 or 33 who is starting a business for the first time and someone who is 22 starting a business for the first time. And a lot of times the people who are 28 or 33 who are starting a business are looking at those 22-year-olds and be like, dang, <laughs> like if I had been like learning this stuff like that whole time, right? And that's both from the work perspective as well as the lifestyle perspective because of the emotional difference that it is being able to say, I am working towards my purpose versus I am doing something I'm not very as, as interested in. So that's one piece is that people really aren't going to, they're going to be a lot more ahead than they think they will if they start entrepreneurship earlier. And the second component is that everyone who is in entrepreneurship now who I talk to universally feel that it is absolutely ridiculous how much money people spend on education that doesn't even build their business, right? Because when you're in the entrepreneurship world, people actually spend a lot of money on continuing education, like a lot of money on continuing education. But every single thing they buy is helping them improve their business. They are buying packages where both they are learning how to do Facebook ads and they're getting someone to help them do their Facebook ads for them. And they expect to put down $10,000 and to get at least $20,000 in return. And so for people in the entrepreneurship world, they realize like, wow, if I'm spending money on education, I should be learning these skills. And that's what makes Hero University so unique because I don't at this moment know of any other programs that actually take people specifically from straight out of college and teach them the marketing skills that they need to actually make money. Right? When I was in college, it was all about, I suppose there was some pitching to, to investors. There was some of that from the very software point of view. But from the straight, even if you pitch to investors, right, you still need to sell a product. You still need to market a product. And so being able to use those, learn those fundamental money skills is so crucial. Yeah, I agree so much. And I mean, I'm a fellow entrepreneur too. And I've, I would say I've made my switch over probably in, over the last handful of years. So when I, I'm 28 today, so I started probably when I was 24, 25. Um, and it's just a total mindset shift that once you're on the other side, you look back and you're like, how did I ever buy into that? You know, like, or maybe it's okay to buy into aspects of, of you know, the traditional system, but look at what I was missing over here. Like now I'm living in Thailand and I'm working, you know, just a handful of hours on things that I don't actually like. Most of my life is actually spent working on things I'm super passionate about and give my soul to. And I'm like finding my voice and I'm finding my tribe and network of people to build a cool things with. And I'm like, have the freedom to work wherever I want, whenever I want. And I get to decide what I want to work on next. It's just, 
so many amazing things that come with it. And then uh, personally, I was really tested on my commitment to entrepreneurship um, when I decided that I wanted to have a more um, committed relationship with my Thai girlfriend, who is now my wife. Um, and we went for like an immigration path to bring her to America and got shut down twice. And so in that process, I had to ask myself, when I finished my master's degree program in San Francisco, do I want to take a $62,000 a year job? At that time, it was like yoga teacher, mindfulness instructor. It was, it was a good job. Or do I want to move to Thailand, um, really expand my people of purpose business, and also, I was adding a real estate business because I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I like learned a lot about how to create passive models of investment through real estate. And so I went for the other one. I went for you know, real estate, and I found partners. I traveled the country over the summertime. I went to conferences. I slept on people's couches. Um, I spent a lot of money towards things that have an ROI. And now today, we're turning profits on our first flip house. We're buying a mobile home park. Um, we are like we own five more properties of land. Also, I'm about to like launch my first like products and services with people of purpose to help people to build their own podcasts, um, help people to um, get linked up to all these wonderful brands and affiliates that, you know, have really helped me in my personal growth. Um, and there's just I want to echo like what you guys said around like it's the greatest risk is taking no risk. I totally believe that. Like if I wasn't doing that. I wouldn't have the wonderful relationship I have with my wife. I wouldn't be able to live part-time in Thailand, part-time in uh, America, couch surfing around the country. I wouldn't have been able to go to my ayahuasca ceremony I went to in Southern Thailand last week, or have gone to India from like yoga teacher training or hike Nepal for a month. Like it takes an entrepreneurial spirit about life to like really believe in yourself and say like, I'm going to take the, the next step. Even if I don't know exactly where it leads, I believe I can figure this out. I can find the people that will help me figure this out. And I'm choosing my reality and choosing my educational journey. I just think there's so much, you know, benefit to that. So I just personally want to ask both of you guys, like what have you guys had to do to kind of step out of the box and what is like some of your greatest risks that you've had to take to become entrepreneurs in your own rights? Sure, I can talk to that a little bit. Um, I mean, of course, it's we all we all like to talk about the glamour of entrepreneurship, right? The the traveling, the cheaper way of living, and being able to work on your purpose. But there are a lot of hard times that aren't expected, and you hit them a lot earlier in life. Like when people usually hit their midlife crisis, you hit like the mid, or for us, like mid mid twenty <laughs> crisis a little bit, and you have to figure out, oh shit, what am I doing with my life now, right? Yeah. And I think where that comes to play a lot. I think, well, one, I mean, I have a significant other two and figuring out how to live in one place and be able to travel at the same time is always going to be a tricky situation, especially if your significant other has something that's more grounded or has to be in one location. They can't be location independent. Um, that's always one element that's hard. Uh, another element is usually businesses take a little bit of time to start up. I mean, it's not going to always be a, in one month, we're going to make lot of revenue ready to go first day we're going to make it work a lot of times entrepreneurs fail a few times before they really get their grounding i think a lot of it has to do with not learning marketing and sales early in their career but that's a side point i think that the bigger point is you have to invest money and have people that believe in you and sometimes you need to get that external support initially 
when you're going through that growth stage or when you're going through the really hard times. And sometimes that means asking friends and family for support when you need it. It's funny. It's like, we are okay with asking our parents, can you spend a hundred thousand dollars to get me into grad school or like help me get through that. But we have sometimes, at least for me, I had such guilt around, can you help me with $5,000 to start up this business? I just felt a whole different level of guilt because it's not a traditional life path that we're taught to follow. We're not taught how to do that or ask for money in that same way. And it's tricky. There's a whole social dynamic of people who don't get you, who say, what the hell? You could have gone a product management route. You could have been making 80, 100K a year right now. You know the rules of compound interest, right? How money made in your first, what, four or five years compound is going to make way more money. So if we didn't spend time making, what, net 15, 20 grand, maybe in the last two years in savings that can compound interest later on, you're taking a huge risk on yourself to say, no, my personal growth, I am prioritizing more than anything else right now. And I know that what we're going to be able to create a business, if it's the first time or the fifth time, whatever, it doesn't matter, we're going to be persistent and hidden. And that's going to lead to a long run, way higher in both in terms of impact and in the creation of revenue or money that you make for yourself. And sticking to that belief, I think, is sometimes a hard thing to do for a lot of people and just being able to be more vulnerable about that and be okay with saying no none of us are perfect in this way at all and we're all going to hit these roadblocks but the amount of personal growth you'll get in this journey is more than anything else that i can imagine but yeah i'd say it's the part of entrepreneurship that's a little bit edgier and more vulnerable, but there's nothing more rewarding, at least for me, for people who really have an entrepreneurial spirit and want to make an impact in this world. Wow. Powerful. That is powerful, man. Thank you for calling attention to that side. Uh, right now you found me in a very happy, positive, like I'm thinking of all the wonderful things on my journey, but I know a week ago I was sharing with Phil, a friend about, what it felt like to be like face down crying on my bedroom floor, hearing that my my girlfriend couldn't make it to America pretty much ever anymore until I commit to getting married to her, which involves me going back to Thailand and saying no to work and saying no to building a community in San Francisco. I got to start all over again. Like it's in those moments that, that you got to become vulnerable with yourself. You got to get past what culture and society and c- conditioning has told you and look inside, like, what kind of life do I want to have? What kind of person do I want to become? And what does that path look like on a personal level before I'm going to, like, start to have an impactful business? And then when you have that personal growth take place, it manifests in business growth. Um, and, and that's how you find your tribe, your network, your service to, to humanity. So, I mean, yeah. It's cool to meet someone, some, another brother on that path um, as a young you know, 20-something. Thank you for sharing. Of course. I'd just like to add one more point onto that, which is a lot of times we're taught about what our passion is or what passion do you want to go for in life? But a lot of times we don't think that designing our life is comes before figuring out what the passion is and where do we want to go. We don't think of what's the day-to-day look like in consulting world or product management role or in the entrepreneurship world. And I think that no matter what, at the end of the day, even for people who don't want to be entrepreneurs ever in their lifetime and want to go down the traditional path, 
is all of us are entrepreneurs at some level. And I think where we are entrepreneurs is when we're designing our lives. We don't have hundreds of employees. We have us and we maybe have a few close friends and family members that help us on that journey. But no matter what, we have to be entrepreneurial in the way that we approach life in testing, making new hypotheses, trying out different things and failing at a lot of things so you can come up to the things that truly matter. And I just wanted to quickly make that point because I find it so important that everyone doesn't just take entrepreneurship as kind of like the cool career path to do, but something that they truly embody as a way of life for themselves. Yeah, this is probably the biggest takeaway I had from the four hour work week as well. Um, and Tim Ferriss embodies it too. He, I don't know how many people know his story, but he took money that he could have put towards an MBA program and he invested it in himself to go and find mentors and teachers and become a startup investor in Silicon Valley. And now look at what he's doing. He's got you know the top business podcast in the world, 100 million downloads, and he's written five New York Times bestselling books. And he has the coolest friends and mentors and He's got a great newsletter and, you know, lots of things. He's kind of like a big role model for a lot of us entrepreneurs. Um, so, yeah, I just want to yeah. add life design is really important. Just to speak to that a little bit more, because I love that you brought up this point. Having an entrepreneurship mindset, gaining the entrepreneurial mindset is such a dramatic shift. And of course, there is like the different levels of the shift, but it really is a dramatic shift in life and something to look at, right? When I was traveling India, for example, what you start to realize is there aren't supermarkets in India that the same way that there are in the United States, right? So in the United States, you maybe have a very big supermarket that maybe has 100 employees in it and they're working at the cash registers, they're stocking the shelves, they're doing the, all the different jobs of that supermarket. In India, every single person owns their individual store. So every single one of those people who would work in a supermarket is actually their own entrepreneur. And that's when you start to realize that entrepreneurship doesn't have to be the super rare thing that we often think of it as. But there's certain aspects of life that come into play when we become entrepreneurs that just completely change the way that we live. For one, money mindset, right? We really, one of the big things that we learn in entrepreneurship, and I think that both of you all touched on this a little bit, is your mindset determines your reality, right? Because there are, and it's not just money, there's so many different aspects of life from the relationships that you attract to the environments that you attract to the learning that you attract to the money that you attract every single one of these things is so much based on our mindsets. And because those areas become so much more important when we start being entrepreneurs, we really start to recognize them so much more. And we start to really see all of these aspects of our realities that a lot of people think that we're born into or that come because of luck or something arbitrary we realize that those can actually actually be broken down into things that can be worked on. And so I think that Quinn was talking about this. It becomes a lot more pressure in a lot of ways, right? It's almost like a lot of my friends are like, oh, if I was in Matrix and they're like blue pill or red pill, I'd be like, I'm going to take both pills. And right, that's like the ideal form of entrepreneurship is it's like, you're going to fly super high into the sky with the red pill, but you're going to like keep it grounded. It's like what's happening with the blue pill. 
but it really is like taking the red pill when you when you jump into entrepreneurship it's like whoa society is way different than i thought it was and even from the beginning right i mean when i was a kid i was very much mostly in the blue in the blue pill world right i was eating the candy that is available in the supermarkets i was eating the food that's traditionally available and then I gradually take the red pill and I'm like, wow, I go to the supermarket and there's maybe like five items that are actually legitimately like completely healthy for me. And that's like it, right? And it's like, wow, I just see society from such a different angle. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's totally worth it. And it feels like becoming a full human in a lot of ways. Yeah. And one of my friends described it, it as when you aren't of the entrepreneurial mindset. It's like you're driving a car and you run into traffic jams and all of that. And you're like, oh, I just want to manifest this beach house like on a sweet island. And it's only going to be when I'm 60 years old and when I retire that I can have that. And then you become an entrepreneur, especially a, especially a purpose-driven entrepreneur. Because I think that a big reason to become a purpose-driven entrepreneur, besides that's the right thing to do and it's going to make the world better, is that you attract much better people and situations who are actually going to help you out. Um, but for me, right, that beachside house that people are saving for until they retire, I was in that like last year, right? <laughs> because we find these really clever ways to live in different countries and such and to be able to make this work in a way that's a win-win for everyone. And so a lot of our dreams and a lot of the problems that we didn't know how to solve become so solvable. So, yeah, that's entrepreneurship. And the entrepreneurial mindset is such, it's, it's such a big leap. It's such a big, big difference. Yeah, no, I love how you, you come at that through the supermarket perspective. Like, it's such a simple thing that we all are exposed to and we all walk by and, you know, are in weekly. But when you, you it, it's kind of a metaphor for entrepreneurship because you start to see things through a different lens. And it, it feels like that's like more of a, a bird's island or like a, a little bit closer to like the lens of our creator you know it's like you're seeing the rules by which society is run by the power that operates society and which kind of taps into the whole i'm sure we, we all have this like nerdy f- philosophical t- side of us too coming from like li- liberal arts colleges and like you know esteemed universities is like you're like living within the matrix and you get to kind of see it and work within it in ways you want to engage and not in ways you don't want to engage and and you find joy in that process and i just think yeah like it's it's been tremendous in my personal development for sure um i'm like really curious about the stuff you said around the skills of the next um next decades because i think this kind of bleeds into that um becoming an entrepreneur shifting into entrepreneur mindset you start to look at your emotions more closely you start to think more more from a sales and marketing perspective about every part of your life how am I going to present this story? What is the the way in which I lead people in the door? What's the experience I want to create for them? What's the experience I want for my life? Where where is this headed? Um, you have a lot more um, skin in the game, and you also have a canvas that you get to create upon. And it works best generally when you share that canvas with other with other entrepreneurs to you know paint a beautiful or a part of. So can you guys speak to like What's so important around creating this emotional reality of being an entrepreneur and and how does um, storytelling and like kind of emotional intelligence and communication skills and all these, you know, 20, 21st, 22nd century skills 
Um, how do they play a role in kind of the model you're creating with Hero University? Sure, I can talk to that a little bit. So could you repeat the question one more time just to make sure I stay focused on it? Yeah, thank you. I, um, the question is, how do we tap into these you know, next generation skill sets around emotional regulation, emotional intelligence, um, communication, mindful awareness, um, synchronicity with others, telling our story, bringing our true self forward. How do we um, blend that into entrepreneurship in Hero University? Sure. So I think what I can do is I can talk on each of the critical skill sets that we'd like to teach as well and show you what our approach is and why it's important kind of step by step. And the best analogy I like to use is I'm a pilot myself or I got my pilot's license when I was 18. And one of the most important things you learn is the purpose of simulators. And sometimes it's good to be able to step into a flight simulator first and be able to do constant trials over and over again to make errors. So by the time you actually get into the plane and your life is actually on the line and you have to make sure that you can commit or be able to perform it the way that you need to, that you'll be okay and you've had every bit of practice to really hit life in the way that you'd like to. So just keep that analogy in mind as we talk about these different topics. So one of the biggest ones that we like to talk about, and I think George can touch on this a lot more than I can afterwards, is storytelling. Because a lot of times there's adverse childhood experiences from our past, and there's a lot of research that goes into if we don't address these shadows or the things that happened in our childhood that they lead to early onset, uh, heart disease, uh, medical conditions when you're older, upwards of taking 20 years off your life if people have tons of adverse child experiences from their past. It's even rated as the number one unaddressed public health issue in California today. So for these things, this isn't just an entrepreneurship thing. This is a people, this is a human thing that we need to address. And if we are to be entrepreneurs when we're under a lot more stress than the average person who will need to perform and your entire way of living or your entire income is based mainly off you when you start off, you need to get a ton of emotional resilience to be able to take on those next steps. So we dive a lot into what's the unempowering stories that we're taking from our childhood. What are the things that happened when we were kids that don't serve us anymore? Or better yet, how can we refine that story that we are telling ourselves about how this affects the way we are now and make it into something that builds us forward so there's nothing from our past that can actually propel us to going towards what our goals are in life. So that's one is on the storytelling side. On the other side, and honestly, this is a little bit less on the emotional intelligence side, but the second is on systems and operations. Because when you're in school, you have a ton of structure, right? You have, these are your classes, these are your grades. This is when you're going to class. This is when you're going to be showing up. This is going to be your final test. And this is what grade you're going to get. And you kind of can figure out what's the road to success and know exactly what to hit. But when you're an entrepreneur, that isn't always quite so obvious. And there's no one there watching you or always holding you accountable to the things that you need to get shit done with to be able to really propel yourself forward. So for operations and systems, we like to teach how do you actually create a dashboard for yourself? Like what are is your big picture vision and how do you break that into what are your goals for the next three months, for the next month, for the next week, daily, 
and who's going to hold you accountable to those metrics that you want to hit for yourself. Because um, I think that you can get this in a lot of different professions, but being able to learn it yourself and to really tune in and hone in those skills is really important. And having that emotional background with the storytelling will help you be able to make your daily habits even more and more effective. So that's the second thing. Um, a third that we like to always go on is habits. Um, just in a general overview, there's three different parts of a habit loop, right? There's a cue, there's the actual habit that you have, and then there's a reward at the end. And there's all these incredible ways to be able to create a habit loop. But a lot of times we don't have the community with us to hold us accountable or to keep us on that train moving forward when we fall off of that habit when we're creating it initially. Or better yet, getting rid of the old habits that don't serve us anymore. So it's kind of funny when we talk about these subjects, you think this has nothing to do with marketing. This has nothing to do with generating revenue. It's like, why are you teaching this to us? But all these things, you need to build yourself up as a person first before you're ready to take that next step in. Because there are so many strategies out there and there's so much information that you can learn from people all across the internet now on how do you build a business in a thousand different ways. But if you don't have those core fundamentals first, it doesn't matter what strategies you have, you won't be able to make the progress that you want to make in the direction that you want to go as quickly and as effectively as possible. So I just touched on three. There are a lot more emotional intelligence, quote unquote, based skills that are to learn. And I'm sure George can add to the list I've created already. Absolutely. And thank you for that very grounded answer, Clint. That was, that was super amazing. So I think that since we're talking about entrepreneurship, let's just take this into focus with a very specific action that an entrepreneur would take, right? Setting up a Facebook ad. This is one of the most fundamental skills to have as someone who wants to go and make money. So the first thing to realize is how much time does it take to set up a Facebook ad? Right. Say that you need some text, and then if you're not going to do a video, you need a photo. It doesn't take very long to do text, and it doesn't take very long to do a photo. What does take a long time to do is to develop the consciousness. And when I say consciousness, I mean the entire way that a person thinks so that they can select the right photo and text. Right? Because think about a person who is maybe not feeling very secure about themselves. Maybe they haven't done a lot of deep feeling into the relationship with that particular client. They aren't going to have a good understanding of what to say. Whereas someone who, like some of my mentors, if they're very far along, right? I talk to my mentors and even just hearing them talk is so significant because the way that they think is entirely different and the way that they feel is an entirely different. This is one of the least underemphasized parts of personal development is everyone's focused on the actions, on the thoughts, but the feelings are what drive the actions and the thoughts. Actually, even before seeing, feeling is human's first sense, right? Because when we're feeling, we're actually tapping into every single experience that we've ever had. If you look at the neuroscience of emotion, it taps into the part of our brain that stores every single one of our experiences. It creates a very, very complex analysis of that. And it creates an intuition to be able to lead people towards that. 
And that's why if you look on research on leaders and how the best leaders make decisions, it's always through intuition every single time. And what a lot of people don't know is that there are tools that you can use to be able to increase your consciousness, right? To become more confident, to be able to understand people at a deeper level. And this is something that makes us very unique at Hero University. So this is actually the thing that I was most interested in studying in university. And I worked in various psychology labs working on this, all the way from labs that worked with romantic relationships to labs that looked at this in business to labs that looked at this in terms of being able to use tools like mindfulness to be able to heal chronic conditions in hospitals. And if you look at the peak of psychology research in the area of emotional intelligence, a lot of it is around Daniel Goleman. And if you look at what he, who he is collaborating with, like because he mostly just talks about the theory of emotional intelligence. He doesn't talk too much about the skill sets, but the people he's collaborating with are teaching Buddhist meditation, right? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? They're teaching Buddhist meditations that are now being studied by psychologists. And so we realize, wow, if we meditate in certain ways, we actually have these incredible results of becoming more able to empathize with people, becoming more able to tap into our intuition, becoming more productive at work, becoming happier overall. But then people think that stops there, right? Or they think that, oh, it's, they just happen to stumble upon these, these specific meditations that happen to be evidence-based, but they don't see the bigger picture. And so what a lot of my journey was, is, and I almost think of this as my master's degree, is the first year that I was traveling after university, when I was going all around the world and learning from all of these personal development teachers from all around the world, is, wow, why don't, instead of just learning the psychology that is just looking at Buddhism, why don't I go to the place where they're teaching Buddhism and then really see what's happening there and see what's important to them? And I see, wow, there's all these other meditations and there's all these other subtle things that they're doing that increase emotional intelligence even more. And I don't even need to look at the psych research for it because I experienced it myself. I look at this meditation and I know, right? You know when you've been to a class and it's helpful, right? I know that it's been helpful. And then I look at, okay, well, what's beyond Buddhism, right? Yoga, that's something that we're also very familiar with. And yoga is so much bigger than people realize in the West. There's so many more tools. And then I look at what else is there? Well, there's shamanism in South America, and there's all these schools that they use, right? There's North American, Native American traditions. There are traditions that they use in Russia. There's traditions that they use in Egypt. There's traditions that they use in Europe. Literally every single culture on earth actually has spent thousands of years developing personal development tools. And if we look at the number one psychologist, right, people like Peter Levine, a lot of ancient traditions are actually forms of very, very advanced personal development things. And so basically to wrap this up, the reason that all of that is so significant is people think about personal growth, but the amount that people on average understand about personal growth in the West and places like the United States is teeny, so teeny compared to what's out there. And so when people talk about how you actually develop how you actually develop intuition, how you develop creativity, how you develop focus, how you develop every single extremely, like the most important aspects of success. 
wow, I will tell you that Hero University and also our various partners, right? It's all from the people that we learn from, the people we bring in. But it is so, so, so far beyond what people are even aware of in places, in most places in the United States and in top research labs in the United States. It's really quite incredible. Yeah, of course, man, of course. And I mean, I would say that that's how I was able to take the leap into entrepreneurship was through these kind of modalities. Um, I know you guys don't know me very well, but lots of times I speak on the podcast. I've done some solo episodes on my journey and there are so many things that people could tap into by just spending three days at a meditation center or spending a day in silence or even just like fasting for a little while. You know, there's lots of things. And for me, I found like Vipassana meditation. I did a 10 day retreat for silent Vipassana meditation was really helpful. I did a month of yoga teacher training at an ashram in Rishikesh, India, kind of like the heart of where yoga was created. And I just did, a, I worked with a ayahuascan shaman just recently on an island here in Thailand, um, alongside like meeting, you know, really wise kind of sages in, in the mountains of Nepal. Um, and then just reading like, like Steve Jobs, like Walter Isaacson wrote a super good biography of Steve Jobs. Um, and just kind of like going through his journey and learning about how he you know, developed the ability to one day like work for Apple for free because they needed to be revived. Or, um, you know, he tried to fight illnesses with his diet. You know, there's just so many ways in which we are so, if we can connect with our true nature and, and like the true intelligence of how things are actually created in this world, we are then able to become a creator of amazing things. Um, and, and that's kind of what we are at the core as entrepreneurs is we're creators. We're creating you know, purpose-driven, mission-driven sort of enterprises that bring people together for a specific purpose. And we want to create you know, a better world, a more connected world, a more loving world, a more conscious world. Um, and so I just want to really echo what you said about the personal development path um, and like elevating your consciousness as something that is totally doable and like totally advisable. Um, in people's path. It's not just about turning some button and starting to make money. There's a lot of inner work that you need to go through to kind of clear out space for this new you to emerge. Yeah, just really respect that you share the same path. Um, as we kind of wrap up the interview, I wanted to kind of head into some of like more overall um, understandings you you have about purpose and, and the purpose journey and so that we can talk about maybe three of these, I would like to just keep stay mindful of kind of the, the length of time and the answers. Um, so first question I have is like, um, what do you think is purpose's relationship to success? Absolutely. So, I mean, First of all, it's about defining success, right? And to me, success means an amazing world for ourselves and for other people, right? And this is a really important lesson is who is happier? Someone with a, with a negative leaning consciousness, right? A consciousness where they are overall not very happy with their lives, who has, say, $50,000 a year, or someone with a negative leaning consciousness who has a million dollars a year, right? I would almost argue that if that person has a negative leading consciousness, their employees are not going to like them, right? The, like, 
their clients are not going to like them, right? They're going to have all of these headaches. Money is just going to augment the life that they already have. And so when I think of purpose and success, it's like success is making a good life for ourselves and for the world. And so really purpose-driven entrepreneurship or purposeful work is the only way to be successful. You can make as much money if you want, but if it's not purposeful, it's not really success. And that's my take on it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think I'd echo a lot of the same basic principles. I mean, first, you always have to define what success means for you. And success can mean something completely different for every person. But I think an important part of success is also challenging what your initial idea of success is and being okay if your idea of success changes over the period of your life. Success when you're in college might mean getting straight A's and making your parents proud. Success when you're in your 20s might be making a purpose-driven company and making an impact on the world. And maybe when you're 60, it's to be able to give back and to contribute to the new generation that's coming up with the new ideas that they're creating. So, but no matter what along the way, if you're always reflecting and thinking, what is my purpose and has it changed and have I lived up to this purpose? It's more of a reflection tool than anything that'll help you be able to redefine what success is and make sure that even your definition of what making an impact is, is always becoming better and better, that it's serving more people, that it's helping you become a better person. And as long as you keep refining it over and over again, it doesn't matter where people start with what success is or even what their purpose is. For a mom, it could be just taking care of their kids and that purpose isn't beyond enough, but it's everything for them and that's okay. But as long as that person is always reflecting on how can we make it better, I think that's, that's the big element that's important in purpose and success. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, and then I, I want to know what advice would you give to your younger self in the lines of purpose? In the lines of purpose? Interesting. Well, I would just tell my younger self to do more of what I'm doing right now. Probably just get into entrepreneurship earlier, get into marketing and sales earlier, get into epic community earlier, start traveling earlier. In terms of purpose, I mean, I was in school and playing games and doing all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think for my younger self, it really just would have been to, to trust myself more and to break out earlier. Because, like I mentioned before, the environments we find ourselves in are so important. And any kid that would start on purpose-driven entrepreneurship at, like, middle school level, like no doubt would be ridiculously successful. So for younger self, I would say that's the, that's the biggest one. How about you, Queen? What advice would you give to your younger self along the lines of purpose? Sure. So mine's a little bit more on a sentimental note because I want to stress that it's okay if you sometimes lose your purpose or you feel like your purpose has completely changed. For me, when I was a kid, I had one goal in life, which was to find a cure for Down syndrome, because I saw my sister suffer, and I never wanted to see people suffer like that in the same way again. And I went through college, went to a great school, went into Down syndrome research, 
And I found that it was really inefficient the way they were doing research. And if I kept going on this journey, I would never make the impact I wanted to make in time. And my sister would be dead by the time I'd make any headway into research anyways. So what was the point of what I was doing? And I kind of had a big moment in my life when I said, is that selfish of me to have that goal because I just want to help my sister? Is that the biggest issue or the biggest challenge that the world is facing right now? Or even on a weirder note, and this is maybe on a slightly political note too, is some people will have genetic, um, what's the word? Um, they'll have genetic changes to themselves. So we may not even have people born with Down syndrome or autism again in the future if we have genetic modification to the babies we have going forward. So the question is kind of if that whole idea of what your purpose was changes or you have a mindset shift of saying, am I really making the biggest impact I could be making in this lifetime? Or is there something else that's more important? Maybe it's something in terms of climate change. It could be something in terms of the well-being of people and how we're one of the most economically wealthy countries in the world and this is the longest period of peace we've ever had in the history of the entire world as well and yet we are more unhappy than ever and that should not be the case or we should be able to be better than that and are we going to be going towards these important issues when sometimes maybe it could have been my ego or something that got in the way of it and laying it shed that it's okay to find a different purpose in life thereafter or it's okay to reframe my purpose as instead of finding a cure for Down syndrome, I want my sister to live the best quality of life possible for the rest of the days that she has on earth. And while I'm doing that, help more purpose-driven entrepreneurs work on the most important things that need to get done while being able to create revenue and make an awesome life, so all those fun things. But yeah, I'm going off a little bit too long, but really the core of it is be okay when you get confused and be okay because it can open up such a different world to what kind of impact you can make with just a subtle mind shift. Wow, thank you. What is that impact that you want to see yourself give to the world and how have you tapped into it thus far? Could you highlight any beautiful moments along your your young entrepreneurial journey so far that that make you feel so sure that you are building the right legacy for yourself and you're unfolding your most impactful destiny? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say for me, the legacy that I would like to leave is I would like there to be a worldwide team that anyone will be able to join. And I would like that team to be as equipped as possible both in terms of amazing spaces, as well as all of the resources that they need, whether that looks like hubs around the world or whether that looks like hubs plus, you know, remote calls around the world. For me, the more that we can become a global team, I believe that that will absolutely change the world and that that is what we need to be able to make all of these processes goes so much more smoothly. And I think it's very doable. And there's a lot of people who are working on it. And I would say the biggest moments for me are, one, whenever I find more and more communities that are like that, right? Because the beautiful thing about humanity is that we build on each other. So when I meet a group of people, 
like many of the of the communities I'm privileged to be in today that combine entrepreneurship and feelings from the heart and transformational work and all of that sort of all those sorts of activities. It first of all, I have the blueprint for how they did it, right? Because I can just look at how they did it, and it also just sh- it that the attraction of things into our lives is a really important marker of progress. And I think that's a really important thing for people to know. And right, I could be building a community, I've built a community up to a thousand people, but if I didn't attract the communities that showed me how to do it in a super beautiful way, then it could stay in that like not as good way of operation as it could be, right? So attracting the people into our field is, is equally as important. And the second one is just whenever I have a moment where I lead a community and it gets to that point, right? When I have led online masterminds and they've gone extremely well, or when I've led, you know, 60 person workshops and everyone is just like so into it by the end of it, or when I lead just whatever experience and, and that comes to be, um, yeah, just those sorts of moments of being able to have that feeling of this collective team. I love that. Thank you for your wisdom on the podcast today. How about you, Quinn? Sure. And I'd say on the on the business side, too, there's subtle ways that we make an impact. And there's small tweaks, but they make a big impact in the long run. And one way that we like to do it at Hero University is building in a give back model into our business. So, for instance, for us, 1% of all of our profits go to an organization called Kiva, which is a nonprofit dedicated towards funding uh, entrepreneurs around the world who are in places where traditional funding mechanisms from banks or from loans don't exist because a dollar in the U.S. can go really, really far in a place like Indonesia or the Philippines or Thailand. And if someone needs a few hundred dollars to start up their own business, that goes a really long way. And for us, we want to see more and more entrepreneurs and ideally conscious, mission-driven, or purpose-driven entrepreneurs sprout up around the world and join our team. So for us, anyone that is building a company, whether it's with us or comes to our community to learn at Hero University, we always encourage them to build in the give back as part of the initial business model. You always have enough money to give back to someone else, and that'll help propel you and motivate you to do more as you go forward. Tom Shu is another example of people who have done it. And there's just so many creative ways of making those business models that uh, I think if more people did it, we'd see a lot more change happen a lot quicker. Thank you guys. I can see how inclusive you are in wanting to call forth people that are purposeful. Um, And it's not a zero sum game. It's not like this is my area and domain to be an entrepreneur in and I get to win here. It's, it's about that collaboration and that like um, synergy that's created in the mutual win or the collective win that happens um, when we come together. So I just feel really honored and blessed to like be able to host a space like this where we have 90 minutes to share, you know, what all of us have learned so far in our, in our journey and, and also share our vulnerabilities along that path. And it's my prayer that this opens up you know, a space in, in people's hearts that are listening to be able to, you know, tap into what you guys are teaching at Hero University um, and, and take the first steps to maybe shift their paradigm and prepare themselves 
to surrender to the process of, you know, an alternative education path um, in becoming an entrepreneur. It's been a wonderful journey for me. Um, and I feel so young still in my journey. So you guys might as well. Um, I'm excited to see what we can all build ahead. Uh, I'm definitely you know, very aligned with your guys' mindset around collaboration, the mastermind model around entrepreneurship. Yeah, and then I guess as we as we wrap up today, I wanted to give you guys one more chance to be able to kind of share what opportunities are available for someone that wants to engage with your university. Yeah, absolutely. So Hero University is a six-week program for graduating college students, but other people are welcome to apply as well. And basically the whole idea of it is that life after college should be better than life during college. And so during this program, people who come to Hero University and cover their purpose, they acquire the skills of an entrepreneur, and they even launch a sustainable purpose-driven product with a tribe of like-minded people during the experience because no one should have to have a job they don't like. We shouldn't have to choose between creating impact, making money and enjoying our lives. And also people shouldn't have to experience loneliness after college. They should have that community in place. And what we actually do is we offer something called the Hero Fellowship. And now this is a chance to apply for, it's both needs and merit-based. So they have a chance to apply for a full fellowship, which includes both housing and food. So it makes it super accessible to different people. And it makes it so that if people have a really beautiful story, then they're able to show that off. So yeah, we highly recommend that people apply. They can go to herointernational.org slash fellowship for that opportunity. And Quinn, if you want to add anything there. Yep. It's going to be a fun summer in Bali. And if you've not been to Bali before, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I think more than anything, the students that we've talked to so far are looking for a continuation of a really amazing community. And community is the one thing that we can absolutely promise will be wonderful there. As George said, with like-minded people who want to make the world a better place, but also are looking to make or learn the tangible skills to make that a reality. So again, it's herointernational.org slash fellowship if you'd like to apply. Thank you guys so much for sharing today. Thank you so much, Jenner. Of course. Thank you. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through? Do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this episode or the podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. If you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, join our intentional group Purpose Seekers from the Facebook page. Join in longer form discussions, link up with accountability partners, 
and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sails and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming 